Why are they doing this? Why are they doing this? Do you really want to know? It might make you uncomfortable and even sound a little crazy. But if I tell you, you can't go back to sleep. Here's the truth. You're under attack. We all are. Our children, our families, our communities. The saddest part is, they're only successful because we refuse to pay attention. For centuries, even millennia, they've conspired in the shadows and worked behind the scenes and hidden the truth behind cascading waves of lies and distractions. Can we be victorious? The fusion cell. I'll be your warrior guide, retired Green Beret Master Sergeant Jeremy Brown, with former Police Sergeant Jen. Do we have all the answers? Absolutely not. But together, we'll find them. Now, wake up. We got work to do. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Fusion Cell. It's October 5th, 2023. We have Jeremy Brown on the line live from Citrus County Detention Center. Detention Center? Uh, school for Misbehaved Boys. To democracy. That's right. Can never remember that. <laughs> and girls. Oh. There we go. Yeah, here. We're not allowed to look at them. <laughs> Which I've seen them, and really, they're actually doing that for our own benefit. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Well, welcome to the show. We have a lot to talk about, as usual, tonight. <laughs> and um, Lara Logan, surprisingly, may not be one of them. I didn't see on there. If anybody else did, please correct me if I'm wrong. But I didn't see part two of her documentary rest of the story we should be seeing the brunson brothers uh part two but i didn't see that so we're going with some other things tonight i think we wanted to wrap up a little bit of um steve baker jeremy still had some notes from yesterday let's start there yeah so uh if you want i can go ahead and hit those real quick um the the main thing is that uh you heard glenn basically talking about how shocked he was to hear that hear this, you know, demonized group, the Oath Keepers, that uh, has been said to be this horrific group or whatever, has a, a decades-long history of actual no crime at all. In fact, they've uh, been involved in, you know, uh, disaster relief and protection at different events. And that's exactly right, which is why it should be even more shocking that this group that's never been accused of any crime and, and even cited that they've been involved in thousands of operations, right? Yet, just in my discovery alone, there is direct FBI documentation that this group had been infiltrated as early as November of 2020, meaning that to have a confidential human source in place on November 22nd of 2020, that they would have been, had to have been infiltrated months, if not years, uh, prior to that. And, of course, we do know that uh, it is years because there's also stories uh, involving Bundy Ranch uh, and things like that where uh, there were members of the Oath Keepers involved and uh, there has since uh, come forth that there was FBI infiltration 
uh, in those operations as well. So once again, it it kind of goes along with uh, Mr. Kleiman's uh, lawsuit, mm-hmm. the illegal surveillance of American citizens uh, that have no reason to be surveilled uh, by these sources and methods, right? In other words, illegal surveillance on behalf of the FBI. Uh, of course, Glenn also, you know, makes the is the um, uh, the oh no kidding statement of the evening when he said, "Obviously, there's a conspiracy here." <laughs> and that's like an understatement of the last three years, and something that we've been trying to uh, clearly lay out here as part of the TV show. About the only thing less effective than a congressional hearing is congressmen talking about having hearings. So uh, I'm not going to be too excited about the fact that there are talks of hearings. Uh, you know, wake me up when somebody decides to follow the law and protect this country. All right, Jen, what do we got? Okay. Um, so we talked about Steve Baker. Was well, something else you said there? Okay, yeah. Glenn Beck knew that the okay's knew that. Okay, and then we wanted to go into seventeen seventy six and the Pozzola. Yeah. So you uh, last night you wanted to talk about the story about the uh, confidential informant that has revealed that a a, a developmental asset. That's what I'll refer to him as a developmental asset of the intelligence community. Um, the actual originator of that document now has been used. So uh, we're about to get the one-minute warning here. I actually have the Nick Pistola filing this docket entry. You have entry. one minute left. Okay. Docket entry 686 from this trial. And I'll read to you uh, if you want to go ahead and explain the situation surrounding that document and how, you know, two, uh, you know, witting or unwitting participants mm-hmm. uh were used to get that document into the the scope of the Enrique Tario investigation and in essence basically blame him for writing this document was actually produced by uh, you know assets of the federal government. But I want to read to you how uh, there are uh, second and third order effects of that being introduced into the case and how it it, it led to some false plea uh, guilty plea. So uh, when I call back. Uh, We'll get into that, and then uh, we'll move on along. Okay, sounds good. The caller has hung up. Okay, so what he's talking about here um, is a, it's called the 1776 uh, document that they used in Enrico Terrio, Enrique Terrio's trial. Um, this document was given to him by his love interest, Erica Flores. She sent it to him through Telegram. There's no evidence that he ever opened it. This is, um, if I, come to find out that she was given that document by a FBI slash CIA, uh, what would you call him? Well, he says himself that he's he was being groomed to work for the FBI and CIA. Okay, I'll put it that way. And uh, actually, his his entire student life in college was completely geared toward that. And a professor was uh, mentoring him to do so. And what was he doing with that document that he wrote? An individual at Citrus County war gaming exercises, war gaming exercises. Okay. If you believe this should be a private call, please hang up and follow an entire case. 
predicated on on Ontario receiving this document as if he'd written it himself. You may start the conversation now. All right. Can you hear me? Yes. I gave a little synopsis on how that document came to uh, to be. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, uh, you know, basically, from what I understand, is that this gentleman who was part of a certificate program at the University of South Florida, which is located here in Tampa, uh, and this program that this gentleman was in is sponsored by a U.S. Special Operations Command as well as the you know, U.S. CENTCOM and all of this stuff, right? It's an intelligence certificate program. And this guy admits in congressional testimony that he was being groomed to work in the intelligence community, likely with the CIA or with SOCOM or whatever. Uh, so, you know, basically he recognizes this document as his own work or whatever, right? So this document goes from this guy to the young lady who apparently was working as a confidential informant. Yeah. And then Jeremy, let me somehow get the document. Yeah. Jeremy, let me just pause right here. The guy that wrote the dark, the document, his name is Samuel Armas and the woman that received it is Erica Flores. Okay. Right. And so Ms. Flores gets the document to Enrique Tarrio. Now, as far as I know, there was never any uh, presentation or evidence that Enrique Tarrio ever even opened the document or read it, distributed and, and definitely didn't write it. And yet this document was used at trial to basically uh, paint him out to be some kind of crazed madman, uh, uh, violent, uh, seditious conspirator, right? And of course, we all know that he's been sentenced to 22 years in prison. But see, there were other effects of this document. So let me read to you from docket entry 686 in the Dominic Pozzola case. Uh, and uh, this is a filing that his attorney submitted, which was basically a demand for dismissal and evidence to hearing. Uh, and it was regarding the government's numerous offenses in violation of due process and the Sixth Amendment which is a very fascinating document. It's not that long. It's about 18 pages. Really, it's only about 17 because that last page is like a signature page. But um, it basically goes through, I don't know if you remember the story, but basically uh, Special Agent uh, Miller, and I can't remember her first name, I'm sure it's in here anyway. But anyway, Special Agent Miller was on the stand as a prosecution witness and had sent a bunch of emails and a spreadsheet uh, with a bunch of communications that she thought she had scrubbed and basically hidden a bunch of them. But actually, she sent the entire document with thousands of FBI communications, most of it that they had deemed classified in violation of the executive order because you can't classify illegal actions or classify things in order to hide your embarrassment. But anyway, so. Agent Miller is on the stand, and then uh, the defense gets up there to cross-examine Agent Miller. But see, they have all these documents that were sent, and then as they start to question her, <laughs> the prosecution realizes, wait a minute, what are, wait, wait, where is this going? Where are they getting this information from? And they literally stop the proceedings, all right? So this is kind of the setup of where this motion came from. So the motion actually cites a lot of Agent Miller's 
uh, text messages, emails, and all of the stuff that the FBI was engaged in, uh, their witness tampering, their destruction of evidence, fabrication, altering of documents, all this stuff, right? But one of the paragraphs in here directly ties to the 1776 returns document. So let me read this uh, from page three of docket entry 686. It says, Special Agent Miller, of course, is the very agent who lied to Jeremy Bernardino Bern, during the government's interrogation of Bertino in order to trick Bertino into falsely pleading guilty to crimes he didn't commit. After Bertino repeatedly, repeatedly said there was never a plan among Proud Boys to enter the Capitol or disrupt Congress on January 6th, Special Agent Miller deceptively misinformed Bertino that Enrico Tario had authored 1776 returns, causing the shot Bertino to falsely plead guilty and wrongly agree to cooperate and testify against the Proud Boys. So here we have a guy who was insistent that the organization that he was claimed to be a part of, but he wasn't denying, he wasn't denying he was a Proud Boy, but what he was denying was the government's false narrative that the Proud Boys had planned to violently overthrow the government. And he's basically saying, that never happened. And here comes little special agent Miller. I'm sure she was all dressed up nice and cute with nice little eyelashes and probably smelled real good. And went in there and said, oh, but Mr. Pertino, you didn't know that the head of the organization that you're part of, Mr. Enrico Tario, you didn't know that he authored this document, 1776 Returns? Here, why don't you read it? And of course, after reading it, Mr. Bertino is like, oh my gosh, this document reads like this guy might have actually had some plans. So, hell, if you say that he was a seditious conspirator, well, then I must have been involved in it. So, yeah, I'll plead guilty. There only seems to be a little tiny problem is that that document wasn't authored by Enrique Tario, comes to find out. It seems as though uh, some willing asset of the federal government trying to get kudos, maybe trying to uh, you know prove that I can be uh, one of those wannabe Delta Force guys that runs around. Look what I can do! Look what I can do! He's the one that actually wrote the document, and then through the use of another informant, Miss what's her name, Flores? Yes, who was very likely actually tasked to op-test this young man, meaning uh, he's showing promise, but let's see what he can do. So let's send in Miss Flores, and I don't know what Miss Flores looks like, but if I had to guess, if she's working as a confidential informant for the FBI, she's probably not hard on the eyes. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jen. I've never seen the lady, but I do understand how the intelligence community works. She probably was interjected to see 
how reliable this guy is going to be. How far along in his future CIA intelligence community career, how useful he might be. See, that turns out to apparently be the actual origin of this document. And so once again, the government lying, deceiving, using tactics, techniques, and procedures, sources and methods, as they like to say, that were never intended for the Federal Bureau of Investigation that are actually intended for the Central Intelligence Agency and Special Operations Command to gather intelligence against foreign enemies, not against constitutionally protected American citizens. And then that information is then lied about knowingly. Because if you think that Special Agent Miller after some of the admissions in these emails about how, ha, 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 even the conspiracy team thinks that the only conspiracy is uh, that the conspiracy team is looking for a conspiracy. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah, this was like one of the email chains that they uh, accidentally disclosed. Oopsie. They said the quiet thing out loud. Yeah. You think she didn't know that this document was fraudulent? I'm pretty sure she did. And if she didn't know, Somebody knows. Somebody knows. So these are the types of things that are typically done to cover up the actions of a compartmentalized operation. Lie, cheat, and steal. Uh, lie, deny, make counter accusations. This is how the intelligence world works. And it shouldn't be how the law enforcement world works. But yet, that seems to be how it is working. Yeah, another example of one, the truth bubbling to the surface, but also how our justice system is has nothing to do with actual objective justice. This is just a hunt. And we'll go into that uh, after well, we talk about it, this. But Yeah, and, and of course, you should definitely read the document, right? Because it talks about how their uh, agents were uh, attempting to avoid taint review, which taint review is basically where they review their processes to make sure that they're following the law, following proper procedures, because see, it is the Department of Justice's responsibility to seek justice, not to just get conviction, right? They, they actually are supposed to be working on behalf of both those who could have been affected and the defendant, because see, that's the definition of justice. See, if a prosecutor is prosecuting somebody, but then comes across evidence that shows that the very defendant that they're prosecuting is not guilty, he's supposed to, in the name of justice, drop the case. But see, this isn't what the Department of Justice does. And uh, I'm hypersensitive to it today because I just read through two days' worth of transcripts from my trial and literally could not, uh, 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 could not hold back my desire to vomit a little bit in my mouth as I read the just outright lies and the twisting of testimony uh, in my own case. And so it is disgusting what they have done. It is disgusting what has been exposed and yet the media seems to ignore. And it's even more disgusting that a lot of this is known to members of Congress, and yet they just can't manage to do anything about it. 
Well, things are, it kind of seems like things are happening, quote unquote, and people are coming to more realizations. The more we put this out and the more we talk about this, it really will wake people up. I mean, well, but- hey, 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 take your time, guys. How many more people need to commit suicide before you get around to actually figuring this out? I mean, I'm good. I'll sit in here till the cows come home. I'm fine. But the other, thousand people that are being unjustly prosecuted by this department of injustice at the hands of the federal bureau of intimidation they might not be as strong and be able to hold out i mean how many more marriages are going to be destroyed how many more houses are going to be foreclosed on how many more families are going to go bankrupt before those who are supposed to have oversight of these criminals yeah. actually hold them accountable for their blatant violations of U.S. law in what appears to be a military coup against the citizens of this nation. How much longer? So I'm glad things are starting to happen. Uh, I don't think it's because of the actions of Congress. Look, we're having <laughs> to dig that. all this stuff up on our own. We're having to beg, borrow, to get things that should be willingly disclosed to defendants. Instead, we have to fight to get it exposed. In any case, it's well after the conviction and sentence has already been handed down as uh, apparent now by the attorney from the Oath Keepers who are now saying, hey, Steve Baker, you know, an American citizen, not a officer of the court, not a judge, not a prosecutor, not a member of Congress, but an average citizen, a journalist is the one that has had to uncover all this. Now they're like, wait a minute, we need an immediate review of this case. And so it really is encouraging that the information is getting out, but it Mm -hmm. makes it that much more disgusting that here nearly three years into this, we still have no concerted effort on those who are actually responsible for these agencies, the funding and the oversight of we these have agencies. One minute left. Their lack of action. Yeah. Maybe they're the ones that need to be arrested. I bet if they were sitting in jail, they wouldn't be so cavalier with, oh, we'll get to it. Oh, the truth is coming out. No, they would definitely be pulling the strings to get stuff done. Some even just don't talk about mm-hmm. it anymore. You should see on, on Twitter, you have Jim Jordan over here saying he's running for Speaker of the House. And there's a lot of uh, anti-Jim Jordan talk going on right now because he hasn't done one thing in general and hasn't done one no, thing for January he 6th. He talks a good game. He talks a, a good game. Talking. But I know for a fact that Jim Jordan has been given my case's information. That's right. And the only thing I've heard is hit the soundboard, Jen. Crickets, crickets, crickets. So let me call back. The okay. caller has hung up. Better late than never. Um, yeah, the reason that McCarthy got kicked out of there is because he wasn't doing his job. Okay, and those six Republicans stood up, stood in the fray, stood apart from their colleagues to stand for what was right. They should be supported. And I don't believe that anyone who didn't vote that way 
should even be considered for Speaker of the House. If you didn't have the courage to do the right thing then, what makes any of us think you're going to have the courage to do the right thing going forward? The courage to do the harder thing. The courage to do what's Unknown right. Caller. Let me get him on here. Florida. This call is not private. It will be recorded and may be monitored. If you believe this should be a private call, please hang up and follow facility instructions to register this number as a private number. To accept this free call, press 1. To refuse this free thank you for using Securus. You may start the conversation now. All right. What's next? All right. So this is the uh, talk of Twitter town. But it's incredibly important. And I wanted to talk about this yesterday, so I'm glad we have more time to talk about it tonight. Uh, Newsweek magazine came out with an article called Exclusive. Donald Trump followers targeted by FBI as 2024 election nears. Everybody needs to hear this because they are very openly talking about what the game plan is. So please sit tight. It's kind of a long article, but we're going to break it up into sections, okay? The federal government believes that the threat of violence and major civil disturbances around the 2024 U.S. presidential election is so great that it has quietly created a new category of extremists that it seeks to track and counter. Donald Trump's army of MAGA followers. Pay attention to the language. The challenge for the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the primary federal agency charged with law enforcement, is to pursue and prevent what it calls domestic terrorism without direct reference to political parties or affiliations, even though the vast majority of its current, quote, anti-government, end quote, investigations are of Trump supporters, according to classified data obtained by Newsweek. Quote, the FBI is in an almost impossible position, end quote, says a current FBI official who requested anonymity to discuss highly sensitive internal matters. The official said that the FBI is intent on stopping domestic terrorism and any repeat of the January 6, 2021 attack on the Capitol. But the Bureau must also preserve the constitutional right of all Americans to campaign, speak freely, and protest the government. By focusing on former President Trump and his MAGA supporters, the official said, the Bureau runs the risk of provoking the very anti-government activists that the terrorism agencies hope to counter. Quote, especially at a time when the White House is facing congressional Republican opposition, claiming that the Biden administration has weaponized the bureau against the right wing, it has to tread carefully, end quote. Newsweek spoke to over a dozen current or former government officials who specialize in terrorism in a three-month investigation to understand the current domestic security landscape and to evaluate what President Joe Biden's administration is doing about what it calls domestic terrorism. Most requested anonymity because they were not authorized to talk publicly, were reluctant to stray into partisan politics, or feared the repercussions of speaking frankly. Newsweek has also reviewed secret FBI and Department of Homeland Security data that track incidents, threats, investigations, and cases to try to build a better picture. While experts agree that the current partisan environment is charged and uniquely dangerous with the threat not only of violence, but in the most extreme scenarios, possibly civil war. 
Many also question whether terrorism is the most effective way to describe the problem or that the methods of counterterrorism developed over the past decade in response to Al-Qaeda and other Islamist groups constitute the most fruitful way to craft domestic solutions. Quote, the current political environment is not something that the FBI is necessarily responsible for, nor should it be, end quote, says Brian Michael Jenkins, one of the world's leading terrorism experts and senior advisor to the president of the Rand Corporation. In a statement to Newsweek, the FBI said the threat posed by domestic violent extremists is persistent, evolving and deadly. The FBI's goal is to detect and stop terrorist attacks. And our focus is on potential criminal violations, violence, and threats of violence. Anti-government or anti-authority violent extremism is one category of domestic terrorism, as well as one of the FBI's top threat priorities. The FBI further said, we're committed to protecting the safety and constitutional rights of all Americans and will never open an investigation based solely on First Amendment protected activity including a person's political beliefs or affiliations. The White House declined to comment. The Trump campaign was given an opportunity to comment, but did not do so. See how they wrote that differently? White House declined to comment. The Trump campaign was given an opportunity to comment, but declined, but did not do so. What the FBI data shows. From the president down, the Biden administration has presented Trump and MAGA as an existential threat to American democracy and talked up the risk of domestic terrorism and violence associated with the 2024 election campaign. Donald Trump and MAGA Republicans are a threat to the very soul of this country, President Biden tweeted last September, the first time that he explicitly singled out the former president. MAGA Republicans aim to question not only the the legitimacy of past elections, but elections being held now and into the future, Biden said. Biden's Homeland Security Advisor Liz Sherwood Randall said, the use of violence to pursue political ends is a profound threat to our public safety and national security. It is a threat to our national identity, our values, our norms, our rule of law, our democracy. For Attorney General Merrick Garland, Attacks by domestic terrorists are attacks on all of us collectively, aimed at rent, rending the, rendering the fabric of our democratic society and driving us apart. Though the FBI's data shows a dip in the number of investigations since the slew of January 6 cases ended, FBI Director Christopher Wray still says that the breach of the Capitol building was not an isolated event and the threat is not going away anytime soon. In a joint report to Congress this June, the Bureau and the Department of Homeland Security say that, quote, threats from DVEs, domestic violence extremists, have increased in the last two years. And any further increases in threats likely will correspond to potential flashpoints, such as high profile elections and campaigns or contentious current events, end quote. The FBI and DHS report concludes. Sociopolitical developments, such as narratives of fraud in the recent general election, the emboldening impact of the violent breach of the U.S. Capitol, conditions related to the COVID-19 pandemic, and conspiracy theories promoting violence will almost certainly spur some domestic terrorists to try to engage in violence. The threats listed in that paragraph are all clearly associated with America's right, and in particular with Trump's MAGA supporters. 
right after January 6th, the FBI co-authored a restricted report. Domestic violent extremists emboldened in aftermath of capital breach, elevated domestic terrorism threat of violence likely amid political transitions and beyond, in which it shifted the definition of AGAVE, which is A-G-A-A-V-E, it's an acronym, anti-government, anti-authority, violent extremism from furtherance of ideological agendas to furtherance of political and or social agendas. For the first time, such groups could be so labeled because of their politics. It was a subtle change, little noticed, but a, gig a gigantic departure for the Bureau. Trump and his army of supporters were acknowledged as a distinct category of domestic violent extremists, even as the FBI was saying publicly that political views were never part of its criteria to investigate or prevent domestic terrorism. Where the FBI sees threats is also plain from the way it categorizes them. A system which on the surface is designed to appear nonpartisan. This shifted subtly days after the events of January 6th when it comes to what the Bureau calls agave. We cannot and do not investigate ideology, a senior FBI official reassured the press after January 6th. We focus on individuals who commit or intend to commit violence or criminal activity that constitutes a federal crime or poses a threat to national security. But the FBI went further in October 2022. It created a new subcategory, agave-other of those who are a threat but do not fit into its anarchist, militia, or sovereign citizen groups. Introduced without any announcement and reported here for the first time, the new classification is officially defined as domestic violent extremists who cite anti-government or anti-authority motivations for violence or criminal activity not otherwise defined, such as individuals motivated by a desire to commit violence against those with a real or perceived association with a specific political party or faction of a specific political party. Though Trump and MAGA are never mentioned in the official description of Agave Other, government insiders acknowledge that it applies to political violence ascribed to the former president's supporters. What other name could we use? asks one FBI officer who spoke with Newsweek and who defends what he says is merely a record-keeping change in response to congressional pressure to track things better. Obviously, if Democratic Party supporters resort to violence, Agave Other would apply to them as well. It doesn't matter that there is a low likelihood of that. So yes, in practical terms, it refers to MAGA, though the carefully constructed language is wholly nonpartisan. In its statement to Newsweek, the FBI said that the Agave threat includes anarchist violent extremists, militia violent extremists, sovereign citizen violent extremists, and other violent extremists, some of whom are motivated by a desire to harm those with a real or perceived association with a political party or faction. Another senior intelligence official who requested anonymity told Newsweek, we've crossed the Rubicon. In emailed responses to questions, he said, Trump's army constitutes the greatest threat of violence domestically, politically. That's the reality and the problem set. That's what the FBI as a law enforcement agency has to deal with. 
But whether Trump and his supporters are a threat to national security to the country, whether they represent a threat of civil war, that's a trickier question. And that's for the country to deal with, not the FBI. The revelations that some Trump supporters are being specifically targeted by the FBI fits with accusations from among them that the Bureau has them in its sights and is the political tool of a repressive deep state in Washington, D.C., bent on preserving the hold of the political establishment at the cost of democracy. Such views are not only from the furthest fringe. Some of Trump's Republican allies in Congress have called for the FBI to be defunded over such accusations and the prosecution of Trump supporters over the January 6th attack. The fight over the FBI is in itself helping to stoke the political temperature ahead of the 2024 election. For perhaps the first time in our history, the FBI's counterterrorism operational tempo remains high for international terrorism, state-sponsored terrorism, and domestic terrorism simultaneously, <clears throat> FBI Director Ray declared at Texas A&M University this summer. A senior intelligence official who works at the Office of the Director of National Intelligence says it's hard to digest all the evidence. When you're used to hearing that the sky is falling every day, when that's the nature of the cable news and Twitter worlds we live where everything is overstated, there's a lot of room for doubt, he says. But I say this as a citizen, as much as a government analyst, this senior official says. We're in a unique moment, and the numbers are daunting. The FBI official says that those who are charged with upholding the law see numbers that are worrying, but there's also a struggle to characterize the specific threat to America and whether it should be called terrorism, as well as the proper response. This is not media hype, but it's also not easily quantifiable the FBI official says, are we talking just a few thousand proud boy types or are we talking 30% of the country that are core Trump voters? Are we talking ex extremists bent on political violence or just a lot of disgruntled and frustrated citizens? I don't know the answer and I can assure you the answer isn't in any secret intelligence that the government possesses. The FBI and the other intelligence agencies responsible for domestic matters track the number of terrorist-related disruptions, arrests, and investigations based on its caseloads and its various characterizations. According to the FBI, the number of domestic terrorism-related open cases grew by 357% from 1,981 <laughs> in fiscal year 2013 to 9,049 in fiscal year 2021. A number that's been widely quoted in the media as evidence of a widespread you have one minute left. domestic terror threat. The FBI also says the number of FBI domestic violent extremism and domestic terrorism investigations has more than doubled since the spring of 2020 to approximately 2,700 investigations at the end of fiscal year 2022, another marker that's been widely quoted. Get your two cents on that before I move on when you get back, Jeremy. All right. What a joke. Yeah. The caller has hung up. So after after hearing just that, and there's a lot more that they want to say, I'm not sure actually what this this newsweek um article it's it I think it's done the opposite of what they thought that this article was gonna do. Um but there was a, a comment from someone, I can't remember her name on Twitter, and she's like basically saying, you realize that this isn't um, an independent journalist um, report. 
This is Newsweek. Okay. This was approved by the FBI is being quoted in here. The White House knows this thing's coming out, whether they wanted to uh, give a specific quote or not. This has been checked off, okayed all the way down the line from mainstream media. Are they trying to scare? Unknown caller. A large majority of the population. An incarcerated individual at Citrus County, Florida. Are they trying to incite? It will be recorded and maybe What do you think is the goal here? If you believe this should be a private call, please hang up and follow facility instructions to register this number as a private number. To accept this free call, press 1. To refuse this free thank you for using Securus. You may start the conversation now. (sighs) Okay. So this is an example of, you know, the uh, the Nazi propaganda machine. If you tell a lie uh, loud enough and often enough, it becomes the truth, all right? Yeah. So first, let me correct the premise of this article by stating that this has been going on since at least 2020, reference the October arrest in the Governor Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping plot. Who do you think those patsies were supporting? Uh, probably not Biden. I'll tell you that. Yep. The FBI set them up as some crazed group of radical domestic terrorism guys that are going to kidnap the governor and murder her. Okay. All an FBI set up, all alive, and the same clowns were involved in January 6th. So let me ask you this. How many people in America have been killed by MAGA supporters? See, as a professional in anti and counterterrorism who spent an entire career, 20 years worth in special operations in the military, where we actually, one of our missions was hunting down terrorists and grinding through terrorist networks actual terrorists that actually killed people. How many people in America have been killed by MAGA supporters? Actually, is there even a statutory crime of domestic terrorism? And the answer is no, there's not. Why? Because Congress has not enacted a statutory crime of domestic terrorism. Why? Because they love plausible deniability. So the FBI can run around and tout domestic terrorism, domestic terrorism. But see, there's actually no domestic terrorism crime, merely a definition of what they believe domestic terrorism to be. And it's funny that even though there is no statutory crime of domestic terrorism, there seems to be way more investigations into this mythical domestic terrorism than there were into actual international terrorism who's been responsible for the death of tens of thousands of people worldwide and thousands of Americans and thousands of American soldiers. Because see, in a 20-year roll-up of all the charges brought against international radical Islamic terrorism, that number is only about 500 over a 20-year period, according to the book Terror Factory. And only about 150-plus of those actually were ever prosecuted of any uh, even related to terrorism crimes. And yet, 
We got 9,000 investigations into domestic terrorism, and yet nobody can name a single person or incident of a MAGA supporter killing anyone. But I guarantee you, you can find MAGA supporters that have been killed. Yes. Four were killed on January 6th alone. Yes. That one day, Ashley Babbitt, uh, Roseanne Boylan, and I apologize, but I don't know the other two names. But that that very day, four MAG supporters were murdered at the hands of this government. Kevin Greeson and Benjamin Phillips. I have them on my wall. There you go. You can barely see it. So nobody can point to any people being killed by MAGA supporters, but we can easily in just one day name four MAGA supporters that were killed by members of the government. And yet I can off the top of my head name three fake MAGAs, right? The van guy in Florida. Do you remember the van guy in Florida? Yeah, you might not remember that, but this was during the uh, uh, election against Hillary Clinton, right? Remember the story about the crazy guy that had all the Trump stickers all over his van? You probably don't remember it because it was only in the news for a day before internet clues started to discover that this guy might not actually be a real Trump supporter, that he might just be a fake Trump supporter, and then the story basically went away, and now nobody knows what the hell this guy's name is. So there's one. And then can anybody remember that one actor in Chicago? Oh, yes. Jesse Smollett. Yeah. Mr. I have a little rope noose hanging around my neck while the body cam, even though it's been at least, what, an hour after he did, he still has the noose around his neck. Seen on body cam, later to be proven to be completely fake, and then it was actually his two uh, gym trainers, both black, by the way, but he paid to basically rough him up and tie a little string noose around his neck. And then what about the Paul Pelosi attacker? Oh, yeah, more fake MAGA, right? The see, these stories hit the news, and then they go away. Why? Because they're all lies. And so they love to talk about anti-government and anti-authority. Uh, yeah, because we're free people. We have liberty. We don't rely on the government. We don't live at the behest of our government. In fact, the government operates and exists at our pleasure. And so when that government gets out of control, those are exactly the things, our descent of that action of government is what's protected by our Bill of Rights. Not, look, the idea of free speech isn't so I can call Jen names and she can call me names. No. It doesn't say Jen shall not violate my free speech or abridge my free speech. No, it says Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech. Right? Because the founders wrote those restrictions to allow anti-government sentiment to allow anti-authority sentiment. In fact, it even, it even allows for the redress of grievances and the peaceful assembly, right? Mm-hmm. These are all anti-government and anti-authority concepts. 
The reason the press is free is so that they can speak plainly and clearly against the actions of government and authority. Why? I've never heard the old saying, holding the... Uh, holding truth to power, speaking truth to power. Well, isn't the power authority? Isn't that power supposed to be the government, the establishment, the system, right? Whatever happened to down with the system, down with the man, right? See, that used to be a liberal cry, but now that they're in power, oh no, you can't talk bad about them. So see, this is what they've done. They've taken your constitutionally guaranteed freedoms and liberties and now made them, ta-da, domestic terrorism. Congratulations. So let me read to you some numbers because no one's going to be able to find massive numbers outside of January 6th, which we all should know by now are all fake numbers. But let me read to you some numbers from the Major Cities Chiefs Association. A report on the 2020 protests and civil unrest. This report was filed in October of 2020. This report is made up of chiefs and sheriffs of the 69 largest law enforcement agencies in the United States of America and nine in Canada. And this is what they found. In 2020, there were 8,700 protests. 8,700. Have there been 8,700 MAGA protests? No. So additionally, there were 574 protests that involved acts of violence, some of which were severe. Wow, that is. Were those MAGA protests? No, they weren't. The total number of police officers injured were 2,037. There were 2,385 incidents of looting, 624 acts of arson, and 97 police cars burned. Were they burned by MAGA? Are there any police cars that have been burned at the hands of MAGA? Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? Bueller? Could somebody ask Merrick Garland how many police cars have been set on fire by members of MAGA? I mean, I can think of two non-MAGA protesters who were let out of jail after being convicted of setting a police car on fire. And there were firearms. A bit over 50% of the law enforcement agencies were also confronted with firearms, most of which were legally carried based on open carry laws. Well, that's funny because the only firearms I've heard of being recovered during January 6th were uh, transgendered Antifa activists. Of course, we all know that Antifa doesn't exist, but if they were to exist, they would very likely be transgender and probably armed Oh, yeah, they were. And yet, they love to talk about the violent, armed insurrection of the Capitol while having confiscated no weapons at all. Seems pretty odd. It seems odd that with all of this information that has come from the Major City Chiefs Association report, that 
those weren't protests held by MAGA. In fact, even if you include January 6th, it doesn't come to those types of numbers. And yet we have a government stating that, oh, MAGA, they're the, they're the threat. Well, I've been in jail for two years. You know how many MAGA threats I've seen in jail with me? Uh, well, if you count the elderly man, Tom, I was just referring to last night, it would be one. Right? I mean, come on, people. This is the fabricated narrative. It's the Nazi lie, lie, lie until it becomes the truth. You know, just keep saying, oh, well, our number one threat, white supremacy. But nobody's seen any white supremacists killing anybody. In fact, most of the white you even see on the news, that turns out to be uh, actually FBI-run operation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Indians ramming trucks at the Capitol and then laying out their Nazi flag, but they're not even white. They're Indians. Like, it's at the point of, I, I honestly feel like I'm going insane. It's so ridiculous. And yet, Chris Ray can sit there with a straight face and talk about the major threat of MAGA, yet has no incidences to point to other than their state-run operation on January 6th. And even then, they won't actually tell the truth about that. Yep. See, if January 6th was a great MAGA violent thing, well, you would think that all 44 hours of video would be out there and they'd be touting about, look at all this violence. A violence on the west side, violence on the east side, to the north, to the south, every door, violence everywhere. But yet they don't. They show one little staged area, and then they continually perpetuate their lie, and they cover up all the video. And in the moment that the video hits the public, guess what? <laughs> it proves that they're lying. Yeah. I still haven't seen any video or heard of any suspect being arrested for constructing a gallows and a guillotine on U.S. Capitol grounds. And yet the picture was all over the place. I still have not heard the arrest of the bomber, of which they have video of, of which they have video of on a cell phone. And yet the FBI and the NSA and the CIA, they can pull every single cell phone all over the world, but for some reason, they just can't figure you have out one minute left. that guy's cell phone or maybe that girl's cell phone. It's just the darn just name. I have two questions. Two questions for you before you get yes, off. Ma'am. One, uh, how many non-MAGA threats have you encountered? And two, do you eat popcorn in jail? non-MAGA threats that I encountered? Yeah. What do you mean? I don't know. Only one MAGA compared to what number? I think she was... Uh... Oh. <laughs> well, there's plenty of other threats. <laughs> and uh, there is popcorn, but I'm, I'm not going to eat it. <laughs> they do have microwavable popcorn on the commentary, but uh, yeah, no, nah, it's some things it's not good for you anyway. You just should only enjoy on the outside. No. Um, well, are we done for the evening? Should I call back again? Um, can you, you want to get through all that? But yeah, I know, I'd really like to get out this article. Thank you so for using people can Goodbye. I think you heard me. 
Yeah, I, th- I think this article is really critical um, for everyone to hear. So I know that it's long. Um, but hey, now you don't have to read it yourself, right? Um, really frightening how they're just boosting these numbers up. And again, if you remember what Steve Friend says, they continue to paper the file so that that case never goes away. So they can keep it for the whole year. They just have to add one thing to it for the whole year, and they're keeping that file alive. So the I was surprised that Elon Musk uh, wrote today. He was actually specifically referring to Dinesh D'Souza's Police State movie, which is coming out. Um, if you haven't seen that documentary trailer, check it out. I think it's coming out soon. Um, but Elon Musk actually said the FBI needs a thorough um i forgot what the word was but you know what Deep i mean Florida. this call is not private it will be recorded and may be monitored a little revamping, if you believe if this you should be a private call please hang up and follow facility instructions to register this number as a private number to accept this free call press one to refuse this free call thank you for using securus you may start the conversation now all right jen all right. I'm assuming you were trying to tell me to call back. So I'm yes. Back. So let me just two more real quick points. I promise I won't rant and rave. But there's no such thing as American democracy. Article four, section four of the United States Constitution guarantees every state in this union a republican form of government. Doesn't mean that we add as Jesse Kelly likes to refer to as low testosterone GOP. That's not what Republican form of government means. It means a representative form of government, not a direct democracy. And then the last thing is January 6th was not an isolated event. Then point to all the other ones, of which they never do. So, Jen, I yield the floor to the gentlelady from the state of Florida. Thank you, sir. Appreciated. Classified numbers seen by Newsweek substantiate the FBI public claims while also showing that a significant part of the increases in 2020 and 2021 were related to protests after after the murder of George Floyd and during COVID, as well as the elections in January 6th. That said, the data show clearly that the main targets of the investigations and cases open were of Trump supporters. While the number of investigations in 2021 almost doubled from 2020 to around 9,000, the number of investigations that led to arrests was only 1,446, not much more than the number of 1,146 January 6 protesters who have been charged with a crime, according to the Justice Department. Virtually all of the 2021 increases are specifically related to these events, including the enormous growth in what the FBI calls assessments which more than doubled from 2019 to 2021 and are revealed here for the first time. Assessments are the most speculative of any FBI investigation, where a special agent or intelligence analyst only only suspects wrongdoing because of association or encounter and further looks into someone's background. Assessments are the closest thing to domestic spying that exists in America and generally not talked about by the Bureau. The data from the FBI shows a significant decline in the number of investigations and cases opened in the past year, in 2022, below 2020 levels, 
including a drop in the number of anti-government and anti-authority extremists, agaves, as a result of the closure of so many January 6th related cases. And according to FBI data obtained by Newsweek, 31% of its investigations now relate to agaves and 60% of all investigations include cases categorized as agave and civil unrest, marking a significant shift away from investigations associated with race-related causes or armed militias. Drilling further into the individual cases behind the numbers, nearly two-thirds of the FBI's current investigations are focused on Trump supporters and others suspected of violating what the FBI calls anti-riot laws. In its statement to Newsweek, the FBI said that the investigations are not only limited to Trump supporters. These violent extremists have targeted both Republican and Democratic members of Congress, the FBI notes in its statement to Newsweek. We cannot and do not investigate ideology, says a senior FBI official. We focus on individuals who commit or intend to commit violence or criminal activity that constitutes a federal crime or poses a threat to national security. And indeed, the number of investigations of groups have dropped by four-fifths over a decade to only eight groups investigated in 2022. In their June 2023 report, Strategic Intelligence Assessment and Data on Domestic Terrorism, the FBI and the DHS further observed that racially motivated violence from those other than white supremacists had posed a generally low threat of violence. The threat from militias has also declined, with armed groups more disjointed than in previous years. Other groups, such as the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys, prominent at the U.S. Capitol, have since lost local chapters and members following convictions over January 6th. All sides use the FBI numbers to further their aims. The FBI and the administration at the front of the line, stressing that it's doing more and the threat demands more resources and a freer hand. Republicans, on the other hand, see the FBI's focus on January 6th and lawbreaking associated with it as weaponization on the part of the Biden administration to suppress GOP voters, to stigmatize the right wing, and to transform what they see as principled dissent against societal norms, for example, with regard to abortion, about what children are taught in public schools, or in rejection of transgender categorizations as extremism. The left sees these same numbers as proof that Donald Trump and his supporters are not just dangerous to democracy, but also that the government isn't doing enough. Michigan Senator Gary Peters, chairman of the Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee, consistently argues that the FBI is failing to fight the full scope of white supremacist terrorist attacks. Others argue that the FBI and law enforcement in general is too sympathetic to white su supremacists, a view punctuated by an assumption made by many after January 6th, that a disproportionate number of protesters and those arrested were veterans or members of law enforcement, an allegation that isn't true when compared to their numbers in the general population. Some experts, such as Brian <laughs> Michael Jenkins, I, I don't, I don't even, I don't, I don't know if that's true, actually. I think there's, was there a high number of veterans? Anyways, we got to look that up later. Some experts, such as Brian Michael Jenkins. Wait, oh, wait, wait. You don't know what's true. That Veterans are disproportionately been convicted in January 6th cases than are represented in the U.S. populace? I think there were a high number of veterans, but this one's saying that there weren't. 
Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So that, that's why I had to laugh out loud. Yeah. Because that's an absurd accusation. Yeah. Some experts, such as Brian Michael Jenkins, question whether conceiving of disgruntled Americans as terrorists is even a helpful exercise. These are not people who are going underground, he says, referring to domestic terrorist organizations of the past, such as the Black Panthers, the Weather Underground, or the IRA, or Red Brigades overseas. As Jenkins sees it, those we label as domestic terrorists, people marching with guns, or those wearing military-like uniforms, are more performative than indicative of some true terrorism class in America. This is not the 60s or 70s, when radical groups, even the civil rights and peace movements, were driven to violence, Jenkins says. I don't think terrorism is a particularly useful framework for viewing this problem. An outsized response to January 6th. January 6th, like 9-11, provoked an outsized response from a domestic intelligence apparatus that had failed to warn or prepare for the likelihood of mass violence on that day. Once the breach by Trump supporters occurred, the FBI, the Department of Homeland Security, and the White House began their almost singular focus investigating and charging the perpetrators at the U.S. Capitol and extrapolating from January 6th into the future. In his first week in office, President Biden directed the intelligence community to undertake a 100-day review of the domestic threat. In March 2021, the review resulted in a public declaration that merely stated that domestic violent extremists pose an elevated threat. It concluded that the most lethal threat came from two groups, racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists, specifically white supremacists and militia violent extremists. Our experience on the ground confirms this, Attorney General Garland said. The number of open <laughs> FBI terrorism investigations this year has increased significantly. Referring to Garland's comments, a defense intelligent official who participated in the review told Newsweek, experience on the ground here means January 6th and other protests questioning the results of the 2020 elections. But in thinking about the new threat, the review fell back upon two decades of experience fighting international terror, the official explained. That skewed the bias towards seeing groups such as the Proud Boys and Oath Keepers, as well as militia movements around the country, as the problem. Because that was what the counterterrorism apparatus was used to focusing on, groups such as Al-Qaeda and ISIS. Second, the official says, groups, as opposed to individuals, present a framework that lends itself toward a strategy to stop violence before it starts, even if there was a shift toward the risk of more lone wolf attacks by those radicalized on social media. Organized groups fit more neatly into the intelligence community's skill set. The threat of misguided Americans. It seems to me that the very word terrorism is more representative of the state of our discourse than a description of the threat says a civilian terrorism expert who used to be a government official. Is political violence on the rise in America? Yes, it is. But everything that is extreme is on the rise. Whereas terrorism, violence intended to bring America to its knees or overthrow the state, really doesn't exist. One might not like that so many reject the current political order, but they're still trying to get their candidate elected, not pull off some coup to overthrow the government. That never happened on January 6th, and despite even a president like Donald Trump, it's not possible in America. 
Jenkins prefers the term domestic political violence over domestic terrorism. And he reaches back into history to stress that the current state of play is maybe not quite as dire as some claim. Violence in America at alarmingly high levels, protesters and groups dangerous to our society, dividing the nation into armed camps. These are all descriptions, Jenkins says, that appeared more than five decades ago in the 1968 report of the National Commission on the Causes and Prevention of Violence. For all the implied homogeneity in red states and blue states, there are more complex mosaics in terms of race, ethnicity, religion, and politics than North versus South ever was, he writes. Former White House head of counterterrorism Christopher P. Costa argues that while there's an overriding government aim in protecting U.S. citizens and unflinchingly focusing on the rule of law, the anti-government domestic terrorist threat comes from only a small percentage of misguided fellow Americans. The FBI, despite its rhetoric and numbers, seems to agree. The Bureau applies only limited resources to deal specifically with domestic terrorism, and those resources haven't really increased. The FBI has only about 4,500 agents, intelligence analysts, attorneys, and other staff in its field offices focused on terrorism, according to the Bureau. Only about one quarter of these focus on domestic terrorism. The Bureau allocates about 1,100 personnel or an increase of about 300 full-time people since January 6. The total is only about 3% of the FBI's employees. Classified data from the Office of the Director of National Intelligence shows that the number of intelligence reports issued on domestic terrorism remains relatively minor. Of 11,945 intelligence reports prepared by the domestic agencies between 2017 and 2021, only 901 or fewer than 10%, related to domestic terrorism. The remainder mostly dealing with international matters and critical infrastructure protection. For a problem the Biden administration and the FBI describes as existential, the resources are meager, says another terrorist expert working at a government-funded think tank. Maybe that's the way it should be, that the FBI is strictly staying in its lane, but it's certainly not what the public thinks or expects. So what exactly is terrorism when applied to American citizens, and does it apply to the current political situation? Domestic terrorism is defined in federal law as domestic activities that involve acts dangerous to human life that are a violation of the criminal laws of the United States or of any state. All right, stop. Mm-hmm. Notice what he just said. Domestic terrorism is defined. In federal law. That's right. But it's not actual a statutory crime. It's merely defined. Mm. As domestic activities that involve acts dangerous to human life that are a violation of the criminal laws of the United States or of any state and appear to be intended to intimidate or, or coerce the civilian population. You have one minute left influence the policy of the government by intimidation or coercion or affect the conduct of a government by mass destruction, assassination, or kidnapping. The government generally uses the terms domestic terrorism and domestic violent extremism interdependently, though there are subtle differences, the most important being that terrorism is statutorily defined and extremism avoids the label of terrorist. 
According to the FBI and DHS, the word violent is important because advocating political or social positions and activism, the use of strong rhetoric, and even a generalized philosophic embrace of violent tactics does not necessarily constitute violent extremism and is thus constitutionally protected. Would you like to call Unless back? Unless you're a pro-life activist. We're almost done, actually. Um, There's like four more paragraphs and we're done. All right, I'll call back, although you're, you're hurting my brain with all of this bullshit. <laughs> Thank you for using. The caller has hung up. Thank you for using. Securus. Goodbye. The time he doesn't want to call back, it's like, I can't take this anymore. <laughs> I really want to, um, I, I really want your guys' feedback, if you want to put it in the chat, what you think uh, the purpose of this writing is. I'm going to ask Jeremy, too. I wonder if they're trying to make it sound worse than it is. It's kind of, cause right now towards the end, it makes it, it's making it sound like it's not as bad as they're making it sound. You know what I mean? It's not as bad as the Biden administration is making it sound. So I don't, I don't know. Somebody wrote a very uh, scholarly paper over here. This is one of the longest articles I've ever uh, read from Newsweek, but I'm glad they put it out there because a lot of people are talking about it and putting a target right on Trump supporters. And this, I would actually really like to read the entire FBI statement to Newsweek, not just the little snippets that they're sliding into their article. I want to read the whole statement. And what was the prompt? I have a lot of questions. See if anybody's over here responding to me. Oh, you know, we're so popular. We actually have some spam in the comments. So had to be getting rid of these the past few days. Hey, OJ8, Jeremy is wise. I wouldn't eat popcorn either in jail unless I had plenty of toothpicks. <laughs> I hope this J6 event story, which is ongoing, does not disappear like 9-11 has. Yeah. I think, um, like I said, if if you guys are on Twitter, if you're on social media at all, you'll see a lot more coming out. I'm so thankful that Steve Baker was in that courtroom every day reporting on what was going in that or in that uh, courtroom with the Oath Keepers, because if he wasn't there, there would be nobody digging into double checking these so-called well testimonies, right? Not facts, testimonies. As to what happened, there was a woman, a uh, female reporter there from the Epoch Times. I don't remember what her name was, but she was in that court room as well. I don't think she's come out with anything uh, near as explosive as what Steve Baker has. This is why we need citizen journalists in these courtrooms. It's completely one sided. And these guys aren't doing Unknown any digging. Caller. Reminds me of the. Uh, Musical Chicago. An incarcerated individual at. You seen that movie? You know what I'm talking County, about. Florida. The reporter just. This call is not private. It will be recorded and may be monitored. Yes, sir. If yes, you sir. Yes, this sir. Should be a private call. Please hang up and follow facility instructions to register this number as a private number. To accept this free call, press one. To refuse this free, thank you for using Securus. You may start the conversation now. All right. Can you hear me? Yes, we're almost done. The torture is almost over. 
In defining the federal crime the violation of my Eighth Amendment. <laughs> in defining the federal crime of terrorism as an offense, there's no distinction based on political views. All right, stop right there. <laughs> See what they just did? There is a federal crime of terrorism. So just like I told you, they say, oh, domestic terrorism is defined. They don't talk about the crime of it, right? Then they start to lay out the details of the crime of terrorism, which is what you read, right? Yeah. And now when they describe terrorism, they refer to it as a federal crime. Yeah. So see, this is exactly what I was explaining earlier, that there is a crime of terrorism, but there is not a statutory crime of domestic terrorism. It is simply a label that they can apply to a law that was meant as terrorism against the United States by international extremist groups. And then now they just simply cross out international or cross out radical Islamic or cross out whatever, and they just write in the word domestic and they try to apply existing terrorism laws against American citizens. Yeah, thank you for pointing that out. You really have to, you know, pay attention to the language like you're doing to read between the lines here. In defining the federal crime of terrorism as an offense, there's no distinction based on political views. It is simply a matter, as the FBI stresses, of holding those who break the law accountable. And in the post 9-11 paradigm, collecting intelligence and targeting domestic actors to prevent them from breaking the law. Experts agree. That as the 2024 election approaches, there will be greater pressure to prevent lawbreaking, one that necessitates infiltration of political circles and other controversial government activity. Because of the difficulty in proving motivation with regard to a charge of domestic terrorism, most prosecutors, being practical, tend to charge individuals with other crimes instead, even in clear cases of political violence. The Department of Justice has used an array of criminal statutes to prosecute individuals who engage in domestic violent extremism, including charges associated with firearms, arson, riots, attacks on federal officers, and in the case of January 6th, even trespassing on government facilities. Even my friends... Yeah, they have to, because there's no crime of domestic violent extremism. This is the point. Yes. They have to use other crimes that they didn't group under these terms to condition everybody to believe that there is a such thing as domestic terrorism. And, and so they're making my point without actually being honest about it. Yeah. All right. No, it's all good. Uh, sorry. I was looking at the chat there. Okay. Even my friends and colleagues debate as to whether January 6th was an act of terrorism says Jenkins. If you have the people who've been writing about this for 30 plus years struggling with the formulation, you can imagine how difficult it must be for the public. Jenkins thinks that the term itself is a distraction. The senior intelligence official who works at the office of the director of national intelligence said Biden's rhetoric on domestic terrorism could goad his opponents into taking more extreme action, particularly those who have now lost their faith in elections or believe the system is rigged against them. 
So we have the president increasing his own inflammatory rhetoric, which leads Donald Trump and the Republicans to do the same, which influences the news media, which influences the rhetoric, he said. The FBI, it's just in the middle of this mess, probably heading for trouble, but mostly left out on a limb by the anger and indifference of the American public. End the of FBI. They're report. just caught in the middle. Yeah. They're they're just observers oh, here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just they're just innocent bystanders. They're the ones that are faced with having to execute pre-crime, apparently. Yes. And actual crime from happening, which that, I'm pretty sure yes. is a violation of due process. But what do I know? Look, what that article was, was their attempt to make their ridiculous narrative sound legitimate through making it sound very academic. Let's see, we have a term for that called baffling you with bullshit. If you go back through that article and pull out any reference to statistics and point-by-point argument and then extrapolate and pull out the January 6th effect on the FBI's numbers, you will find exactly what I've been telling you for years, which is this January 6th was a staged event in order to justify calling whoever the hell they want a domestic terrorist. That's, That's right. all it was. Even though, in fact, there was one point of the story where I think they even tried to conflate the George Floyd number with <laughs> domestic terrorism as well. In order to justify saying, "Oh, we have an increase in domestic terrorism," yep, they consider political speech terrorism. Why? Because they're the enemies of this constitution. They're the communists, the Marxists, the globalists that do not believe in the constitution, that do not believe in American sovereignty, and therefore, your dissent against their definition, as they often refer to it as our democracy, of which I just gave you the legal citation from the Constitution to find that there is no American democracy that is guaranteed in Article 4, Section 4, a Republican form of government, and yet they constantly refer to our democracy. Yeah, it's their democracy. Not my democracy, because I live in a republic. That's what the law says. So this is nothing but the academic writings at Newsweek, you know, not known to be the best uh, representation of, uh, you know, middle America. Mm -hmm. But to make it sound like, oh, poor FBI, they're just caught in the middle of all this turmoil. No, no, they're not. They are the secret police that are going to be used to continue to round up political dissidents. For now, to Trump supporters, but don't worry. They'll be the same useful idiot rabble-rousers that they used to get here at the end, just like Mao did, just like Stalin did, just like every tyrannical dictator ultimately does. The useful idiots they used to gain all the power will eventually be murdered and bulldozed into the mass grave, just like all the other ones, because we can't have all those rabble-rousers around that clearly help us gain all this power. We've got to get rid of them, too. So, uh, but hey, 
Yeah. You gotta know. You gotta know what's out there, I guess. Uh, yeah. I, you know, for a while there, when I was reading that article, I was like, I was like "Where? Well, like, what's the purpose of them writing this article?" But it it was all very clear in the last paragraph. So I was like, "Oh, that's where we're going." Okay. Yeah. Hey, the FBI is just trying to manage and and weave their way through this very complicated political culture that we now live in, Jen. Yeah. Yet they can't answer the three questions that I asked earlier. How many people have been killed by MAGA supporters? How many MAGA supporters have been killed? And how many fake MAGAs have been found out there? They won't answer those questions because it won't support their narrative. They'll just continue to conflate bullshit numbers. And remember, not long ago, it was reported that the FBI was caught fabricating and utilizing numbers from within the U.S. Bureau of Prisons to bolster their numbers, claiming that an act of so-called hate crime in prison was actually an act of crime that's committed out there to make people think, oh my gosh, there's all this white supremacy in reality. It's a very small number of people in prison that probably are part of white supremacist groups, but they're already in prison. But see, when they beat up, when they get in a fight with a black guy, the FBI attributes that to white supremacist crime out there in regular America so that they can continue to run around and tell the lie that climate change and white yeah. supremacists, two things that almost are non-existent, are the big, huge uh, threats against America. Not China, not fentanyl, not Russia wanting to blow us all off the face of the earth because it's been provoked by this administration. None of these other things are a threat. No, 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 no. It's white supremacists and the thermometer. Yeah, I, I can it's just all disgusting and it makes my head hurt. I can tell you that uh, as a police officer, I definitely saw a shift and we started talking more about hate crimes and, you know, people were getting in trouble for not reporting that it was a hate crime or not arresting someone and put and adding this hate crime enhancement. Um, and literally it was just if someone had used one word or it, actually, let me give you a really good example that this is um, one of those times when I knew the world was really upside down. Um in front of the county courthouse, uh, some people had painted BLM. Totally fine. I mean, right? Totally fine. This is what they're doing all over the Bay Area. They're yeah, painting the BLM, the Bureau of Land Management. I like it. reparations, all kinds of stuff. So they paint that in front of the county courthouse. And uh, I'm not even going to say the races of anybody here because I'm just, I'm just not. So these other people come by and they paint over. The BLM, they paint over it. Who gets charged with a hate crime? The people who painted over. So, yeah, wasn't there? There was another incident where they painted over, but they painted over it with just black paint to restore the road to its original color, and they were also charged. I remember seeing that story. Wow. Yeah. Um, so look here. Saw it with my own eyes. This is the plan. This is the plan. A hate crime is a violation of your First Amendment. So, because hate is merely a thought. It's a frame of mind. It is an emotion, okay? Your hate and your enemy's hate <laughs> are defined 
by the two of you. So hate is merely defined by whatever Big Brother wants to define it as. And so they're literally attributing what they believe or perceive your state of mind as a more heinous crime. So if you murder someone that you love, that's not nearly as bad as if you murder someone that you hate in their mind. Why? Because they want to be able to attribute hate to dissent. If you hate Mm. Joe Biden, that will now be a hate crime and domestic terrorism. And so they keep chalking up all of these things that clearly violate all of your due process, all of your freedom of speech, and yet nobody does anything because everybody hates the word hate, right? Uh Uh-huh. That's a hate crime. It's, It's just ridiculous. They're playing word games. And why does evil win? Because good men do nothing. According to baseball, it's because good is dumb. Uh, well. That's a good people. Uh, <laughs> in the words of Joe Biden, he'll take a nap. <laughs> uh, somebody actually, someone who interviewed him recently said that it was sad when he was interviewing him because Biden couldn't finish the sentence couldn't complete a response it is that it's elder abuse yeah and the second dog by the way his name was commander just got kicked out of the white house uh for biting people the second dog i believe that got kicked out for biting people it's like there's obviously bad juju well, in the white dogs, house they say dogs are good judges of character that's right and there's all that you, you know have one minute left bad energy in there it's no wonder he's biting people yeah, I mean, especially German Shepherds. I mean, come on now. But, uh, all right. I know we went long, everybody, but thank yeah. you for listening to us, rant. The reality is they're coming to get all of us. They admit it. They try to cover it up and pretend like we're all dumb. And most of us are dumb, but hopefully we're doing our best to inform us so that we're not caught off guard and surprised by their evil schemes. That's right. And if that makes me a terrorist, so be it. Pre-crime Minority Report is here. Well, thank you for talking, Jeremy. I appreciate it. Thanks for being here. Just put my bronze bust in the National Terrorism Museum right next to George Washington, and I'll be happy. (laughs) Sounds good. (laughs) We'll get that going. All right. Talk to you Monday. All right. Talk to you on Monday. The caller has hung up. Sounds like that'd be a good meme. If anybody wants to uh, make a meme there, you should have some January 6th busts right next to uh, our founding fathers. Okay, thank you everybody for being here. Yeah, we did go along. I apologize for that long article, but I think it was necessary to go through and read. So I hope every one of you has a wonderful night. And... um, I can't promise you that we'll be here tomorrow, but if we're here, we're here and everything went swell and and we'll all meet here again tomorrow. I'll send you a little notification through Twitter or locals, whichever, however you get it. Thanks for being here. Give us a rumble, subscribe, and pass this podcast along, please. And anybody that you, I've asked this uh, a long time ago, but if there's any media contacts that you have out there that may want to interview Jeremy, Uh, please let us know. 
You can get me on the email uh, in the fusion cell at protonmail.com. It'd be much appreciated. We need to get this information out so that more people are waking up and aware. So let me get my little outro going. Everybody have. World domination. Same old dream. The universe grows smaller every day. birth of freedom and that government of the people by the people and for the people shall not perish from the earth it was a great word